Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. The initial rollout of the Inflation Reduction Act has some solar advocates concerned that it will be difficult to expand solar power this year into low-income communities. See, the Treasury Department has released initial guidance on a brand new competitive federal tax credit program that aims to boost wind and solar projects in low-income and underserved communities. The program is seen as central to the Biden administration's environmental justice priorities, but the initial guidance has roiled parts of the solar industry who fear the program's requirements will stifle its rollout. Those guidelines can also attract attention from the Hill, which is scrutinizing how the administration distributes billions in federal dollars for climate programs. So today, Politico's Kelsey Tamburino on why this low-income tax credit program is dividing advocates. It's Tuesday, February 28th. This is a really interesting story for, I think, a lot of reasons, but just by way of background, the Treasury Department released initial guidance on a new program that's meant to expand solar and wind power into low-income communities. This is a bonus tax credit, and basically Treasury said that it would allocate 1.8 gigawatts of capacity each year for this credit across four different categories for wind and solar projects with a maximum output of less than 5 megawatts. But pretty quickly after this guidance was released, I started to hear from some folks in the solar industry who they have concerns about the details of how Treasury intends to implement this program, which they ultimately say would mean very little solar power would actually be deployed in low-income communities this year, which they said goes against the spirit of the program. And I should clarify that these are the firms and companies that are traditionally in this space and who would obviously benefit from utilizing this tax credit. So they have several issues with the guidance, but the most widespread that I heard and the most notable really has to do with the eligibility requirements and the application process here. Basically, there's a provision in the guidance that says essentially projects placed in service prior to be awarded an allocation won't be eligible. And and it also says that the application process will not be open until the third quarter of the year and only during a 60-day window. Solar industry folks who had recommended ways to implement this program based on best practices at the state level had hoped that that would be on a rolling basis. The way it's written, they say, would effectively exclude rooftop solar and other projects with faster development cycles from being able to access the bonus credit this year and just isn't really aligned with how solar projects work. So the argument here is that you're not going to invest in a new branch in a low-income community on the hope that the applications submitted to Treasury later this year will be selected. They say that projects that aren't viable without these bonus credits will be then on placed on hold, and these residents might have to wait over a year to be served and That's assuming that the projects aren't canceled in the meantime and just that it eliminates any certainty up front, which they say will be required to really effectively implement this program. And how crucial is this program for the Biden administration's broader environmental justice goals? And if the guidance isn't as expected by advocates, how could that undermine those goals? Yeah, it's really important. It's one of the few programs that get at environmental justice through the tax credits under the IRA. And so Low-income areas are historically the same areas that are disproportionately affected by climate change and typically have higher 
energy burdens. And so when it comes to solar and other clean energy deployment in these areas, it's important to keep in mind that they have long lacked investment for decades, and that's meant there's infrastructure gaps and higher interconnection costs, or there might be requirements for electrical system upgrades that just makes it more costly to build projects in these areas. And we know solar is getting cheaper, but a lot of the costs associated with installing solar panels on homes can be expensive. And the existing financing mechanisms don't necessarily flow to low-income consumers and people of color. So that has meant a lot of disinterest from the market in these communities. And this credit really aims to counter that. So this is an additional tax credit. It's a bonus, 20%, up to 20% credit. And it's awarded on a competitive basis. So if a company doesn't get the credit, they can still utilize the base investment tax credit of up to 30%. And the Treasury Department says this tax credit is really meant to cut energy costs for low-income communities and create economic opportunities in communities that are often left behind. And their argument is that it's designed to support new market participants and stand-up operational capabilities in new areas. So that's outside of the traditional big solar companies we know of today. And it could include smaller community-based companies and local solar installers. So I think it's important to think back to the PPP loans that we saw during the pandemic and some of the broader concern that the administration has faced that bigger companies tend to be able to pounce on these tax credits more quickly than small businesses and tax rates historically flow to white taxpayers more often. So I think the department is really trying to counter that and utilize this program in a way that can benefit companies and firms often left behind by some of these programs. And what are defenders of the Treasury Department's guidance saying? Yeah, so I think it's important to note here that while we're seeing industry concern and efforts there to undo some of these provisions, traditional environmental justice groups have been supportive. They echo what the department is saying here, that Treasury has structured this so that community-based projects have more time to get organized and that folks who might not have ever thought to take advantage of these tax credits can do so. They say it gives opportunity to places that haven't seen as much opportunity to participate in solar and clean energy as other places that might have more robust state-level programs. One environmental justice-focused community solar advocate that I spoke to said the guidance will work for the purpose that it is intended, which is expanding access and delivering the benefits to low-income and moderate-income communities and residents. After all, this person said that this isn't a tax credit for the Solar Trade Association, right? It's for low-income communities. And I think those advocates say this will work as intended in that way. But I think it's just a broader point to keep in mind as we see the rollout of the IRA and the president's clean energy agenda more broadly, that there's we're just not always going to see alignment on some of these things across environmental justice, trade, and clean energy advocates. Also, the Department of Energy has issued a conditional $375 million loan for the construction of a first-of-its-kind lithium-ion battery recycling facility in North America. That's what DOE's Loan Programs Office announced on Monday, saying the project will help support the circular economy for critical minerals, which will in turn reduce U.S. reliance on global supply chains or new mining that is crucial for electric vehicles. If finalized, the loan to LiCycle U.S. Holdings will help finance a facility located near Rochester, New York, which is expected to support about 203,000 electric vehicles annually once fully operational. The loan is one of the latest of several moves by the Biden administration to boost the development of a domestic electric vehicle supply chain, with greater battery recycling capacity seen as crucial to meeting that goal. 
For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by Mysterious Breakmaster Solander. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.